Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We are ready to read uh, chapter 3 of 1 Timothy. Now we finished reading chapter 2. At the end of chapter 2, uh, something I didn't really stress or get into was that uh, uh, Paul says that Adam was formed first and that Eve will be, women will be preserved through the pain and dangers of the bearing of children if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control and discretion. So, um, I, I really believe what was intended to be here, what's the more important is, now, the, they are, it is mentioned, it is mentioned that, um, that a woman will have, you know, pain and such through through childbirth but um, I'm not sure I'm not sure how this this they they note here that this was a hard uh, this is a difficult verse to interpret uh, and it just you know but the main I think the main thing to take away from this is that women will be preserved and saved if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control and discretion. Well, that's the same for all of us. I'm not trying to be a smart aleck or anything, but, but that is the same for all of us. If they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control and discretion, I think that's the real takeaway. He mentions this about childbirth and the bearing of children because it's mentioned back in Genesis, and he had just spoken about Adam and Eve, so it was a hearkening back to that. But... He's saying if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control and discretion, and that's that's the same for all of us. We all need to do that. So that was at the end of 1 Timothy chapter 2 that that was. And we are ready to read 1 Timothy chapter 3. Now I am reading from the Amplified Bible. And this is going to be, this first part is going to be about, Paul. Um, let's see, uh, Paul says overseer. And, and overseers and deacons is how it's translated here, okay? There is a note here that it could be bishop and superintendent, and, and I'll try to cover that, okay? So this is 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. This is a faithful and trustworthy saying. If any man eagerly seeks the office of overseer, bishop, superintendent, he desires an excellent task. Now... Some people do translate that to bishop. The way we look at that, and the term that we most often use nowadays, is elder. An elder of the church, a leader of the church, and, and we're talking about our local congregation. Now, if any man eagerly seeks this office, he desires an excellent task. Now, he said, and then, well, let's move on. So now in verse 2, he says, Now an overseer must be blameless and beyond reproach. The husband of one wife, self-controlled, sensible, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine, not a bully nor quick-tempered and hot-headed, but gentle and considerate, free from the love of money, not greedy for wealth or and its inherent power financially ethical. 
He must manage his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity, keeping them respectful and well-behaved. But, I want you to realize too, we're talking about the man himself, so keeping his children under control with all dignity, meaning he doesn't go off the deep end either, okay? He doesn't fly off the handle and go crazy, but that he, he keeps them under control and teaches them while himself not uh, becoming irate and crazy. Now, I say that with the understanding that we all do that. We all go off the deep end and go crazy. Our kids make us crazy sometimes. <laughs> I'm just I'm just telling you, if you have kids, you know what I mean. I know you do. So it's not that you don't love them. It's the fact that you do love them that it makes you so crazy because you're like, why can't I not get this through to you? But, but nonetheless, I don't want to hang on to that. I just want to make sure that you understand. We're talking about the overseer themselves keeping their children under control with all dignity so you know not losing it not going um there's a number of ways the world would say that but this is not not going off the deep end and, and getting crazy but also keeping them respectful and well behaved for if a man does not know how to manage his own household how will he take care of the church of god if you don't know how to instruct and talk to your children properly how are you going to know how to speak to uh, someone outside of your family? How are you going to know how to speak to a friend or a co-worker or uh, someone at church, a, a, a sister or brother? And he must not be a new convert so that he will not... Now, now this is what the Amplified Bible says, so bear with me. So that he will not behave stupidly and become conceited by appointment to this high office and fall into the same condemnation incurred by the devil for his arrogance and pride. So... Here, the reason you don't want someone who's brand new to be an elder, even if they're older, but if they're brand new to the faith, is because you don't want them to be tempted into these things. Now this says, so that he will not behave stupidly and become conceited. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I do get tickled because that's kind of a funny translation. But if we took that out, it would say, so he will not become conceited. So in other words and fall into the same, fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil. Meaning that he will not be tempted to become arrogant and prideful and think too much of himself, okay? Because it, that could be an easy thing for us to fall into. Just think of the temptation of you're like a brand new Christian and then they made you like an elder at the church. And maybe that might go to your head. I mean, I don't know. I mean... I, it would be somewhat understandable if someone maybe started to think too highly of themselves. So, you know, you don't want that. So then next verse. And he must have a good reputation and be well thought of by those outside the church so that he will not be discredited and fall into the devil's trap. Again, so that you will not be tempted into something and fall into some sort of temptation. Now this is talking about, now Paul in this translation says overseer um, let me I'm gonna do a check on the ESV real fast and see what it says now it says the office of overseer and let me do another quick check let's look at the King James version the original now in the original King James it is translated as Bishop okay 
So that's bishop. Again, now we have been calling our church leaders elders. And that phrase is used, or that term, I should say, is used elsewhere. Let me look at the New English Translation. <clears throat> New English Translation, I'm trying to speak, sorry. And again, it says overseer. So I think the, the translation varies a little bit. I don't know if it uh, is a big deal, what title we give that, or, um, because that is kind of a title, um, being a leader of the, the local congregation. Now, Paul is going to continue on. He's going to talk about um, deacons. Now, if you'll notice the requirements, I want to back up for a minute. You'll notice the requirements here, you know, you know, we must be blameless and beyond reproach. I, that's that's the main stumbling block in my mind for me to be blameless and beyond reproach. Well, how how are we blameless and beyond reproach? The same as everyone else through through um the blood of Jesus, through the sacrifice that He made for us. The fact that we uh, can go to Him in prayer, go to God in prayer and repent and get forgiveness. That's how we're blameless and beyond reproach. That's that's true for all of us. Um, now in this sense they may mean also, or I think Paul does mean probably that, you know, in in general in society, you know, you're not known to be, you know, some kind of uh, I don't know, some sort of immoral person. Um, you know, a cheat or a liar or a some sort of scoundrel or, or woman chaser or something, you know. I think, too, you would want to be blameless and beyond reproach in those ways as far as society goes um, <clears throat> and within the congregation. But um, to be truly blameless and beyond reproach, when you say that to me, it makes me think we need to be like the Lord and perfect. And the only way we're truly like that is through Jesus, just the same as everyone else. Um, but we must be leading a good Christian life, I think, is the intent. And, you know, that that should be pretty obvious, that we don't want to, uh, you know, make someone an elder when they're blatantly disregarding the Christian um, teachings from Paul and from Jesus that we should be living appropriately. Here again, <clears throat> we're going to continue in verse 8, and this is with deacons. Now, I want you to understand that deacons are only mentioned by Paul, I believe, and maybe only in one or two places. Um, in Acts, they talk of them as being servants who helped or assisted with different things during the service. That's basically what we do and what we call deacons now, as we, um, like I'm a deacon in, in our church. That's not a position of any authority or anything. It is actually a servant. Uh, we are to help get things done and to help do things. Um, it's not, to me, it's not anything more than that. It's just we're just trying to help, um, help the services, you know, help, help get those things done, make sure things are prepared and do what we can. There are actually a lot of women who help out in the church and do a lot of things for communion and different things, um, you know, they are servants in their helping just as much as any of us in their own way. So, you know, they may not come in and move the furniture around or or go uh, move uh, 
big stuff out of the attic or in and out or whatever, whatever you do, you know, your, your church tends to have storage and stuff. Or, But, um, I mean, they could be electricians and things, you never know. But, but I mean, in general, I'm just thinking of, of a lot of the ladies are not the, not the ones that are going to come in and, and move a lot of stuff like that. But, uh, you know, the bigger, heavier stuff. So anyway, not trying to be bad, but, but nonetheless, so deacons really are, uh, if you look at the, the way they're talked about in Acts, is they're really servants, so it's not really a position of like you should be, think you're somebody special or in some sort of authority or authoritative role that's not intended at all. <coughs> so anyway, but here he's going to talk about deacons and how we, how we should be. Must be men worthy of respect, honorable, financially ethical, of course, of good character, not double-tongued, speakers of half-truths, not addicted to wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. A lot of this is the same as for the elders. But upholding and fully understanding the mystery that is the true doctrine of the Christian faith with a clear conscience resulting from behavior consistent with spiritual maturity. These men must first be tested, then if they are found to be blameless and beyond reproach in their Christian lives, let them serve as deacons. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Now in the next verse, my uh, the Amplified Bible says the Greek word used for woman and wife is the same. So, <clears throat> what, they're, what he's about to say could apply to women servants in the church or it could apply to the deacon's wives but I think because we do have women who, who who do who are servants and do things to again they do the same thing that we do they're kind of a deaconess now some people may not like that and if you don't like that then don't use that but I just mean they're kind of a, a servant in their own way uh, women must likewise be worthy of respect, not malicious gossips, but self-controlled, thoroughly trustworthy in all things. Deacons must be... So it, now here he's go, he goes back to deacons. So that makes me think that this is really about the deacons' wives, okay? So in other words, to be a good servant, your wife also should be, you know, worthy of respect and not malicious gossips and that kind of thing. Because it, it looks bad if you're people who are trying to do the services and, and are trying to lead the congregation and set examples, it looks bad if if, if their wives are, are um, <laughs> you know, are um, gossips and things. It can, it can look bad. So, so this makes me think that this indeed is referring to the deacon's wives. You know, could still be referring to women as servants also. Because you remember, deacon is just a servant. That's all it is. So it's nothing. Um, well, yes, we do take it seriously, and we do try to set a good example. But really, we're just servants. We're not really anything more than that. Um, so this could still be about women separately, but you know, as as servants. But I just want to point that out that it could go either way still. So deacons must be. Husbands of only one wife and good managers of their children and their own households. For those who have served well as deacons gain a high standing, having a good reputation among the congregation. And 
great confidence in faith which is founded on and centered in Christ Jesus. So, I'm not sure. Uh, sounds like Paul says that those who serve well as deacons tend to gain a higher standard in the congregation or a higher standing. I'm sorry, not standard, a higher standing. Um, maybe we are looked upon favorably because we're serving the group. Um, I don't really think about it that way. I think it of, of it as doing something for, uh, for the Lord, for the congregation. So, so if that if that's true, then that's that's fine. If if people look favorably on us for what we do, you know, um, I guess if I think about it honestly, from when someone does something for me, I should appreciate that and and appreciate them. So maybe that's what he's getting at. That would kind of make sense, but anyway, so Paul's going to continue on with verse 14. I hope to come to you before long, but I am writing these instructions to you in case I am delayed so that you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. And great, we confess, is the mystery, the hidden truth of godliness. He, Jesus Christ, who was revealed in human flesh, was justified and vindicated in the Spirit, seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. You know, I always think of the mystery of God, or at least now, I always think of the mystery of God as being the fact that He humbled Himself to become human as Jesus, He humbled himself that much to go through all of that because he loved us. To me, that is the mystery, the, the mystery of God, that he loved us that much. He loves us that much, not loved. Sorry about that. But he loves us that much, that he did that, and that he is constantly there for us now. So, if you remember that one verse back in Philippians, the Lord is near, you know, Paul was reminding us that the Lord is always there. He was telling us not to be anxious. Um, I may not remember the exact chapter and verse, but uh, but we know if we looked back, we could find it. I think it's in chapter 4, but I don't remember the exact verses. Nonetheless, um, but here he says, in great we confess is the mystery of godliness. Jesus was revealed in human flesh, was justified and vindicated in the spirit. He was seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. And he was taken up in glory. He's at the right hand of the Father, and he is also our mediator for us. And there's a, I'm sure there's a whole lot more we could say about this, but I'm, I'm looking at it right now, and I appreciate what he's saying, but I'm not drawing <laughs> anything really... Um, great to say. Sometimes, you know, the Bible just speaks for itself. Sometimes what is said here is as good as it's going to get. Especially in my case. So, <laughs> that's just the way it is. So that is the end, though, of chapter 3 of 1 Timothy. And, you know, Paul was warning. you got to remember, Timothy was at Ephesus. He was warning uh, Timothy to help them set up overseers and deacons in the congregation you know you need sometimes for a group of people you need some some leaders and uh, 
you know, we have any, and notice, um, let's see, does he say that? Uh, yeah, okay. So, he's saying, you know, an overseer, he's saying how an overseer, you know, must be, and sometimes this sounds like unattainable because you almost have to be perfect, but we have to remember we're only perfect through Christ Jesus. But the, the, real, the real thing is we need to uh, show that we can handle our own lives and handle ourselves before we try to be a leader and tell other people how to handle their lives. Because really, that's not what we're supposed to do anyway. We're not really supposed to be telling other people how to lead their lives. We're supposed to be teaching and helping them. You know? I mean, to some degree, that's telling them. But it's also not in a bossy way, but in a teaching way. You're trying to teach them how to follow the Lord and how to be more correct in, in following Jesus. So... So that's why, you know, we have to already have that in practice in our lives. Now, I'm certainly not a perfect person in any way, and uh, but you know, I I do what I can to help out, and I think that's I think that's all any of us can do um, is try to follow try to follow the Lord, you know, love the God, love our God, and uh, and then just try to help. As, as best we can, as much as we can. So, that is the end of chapter 3. I want to thank you for listening. I don't want to just draw it off forever. But, uh, you have a wonderful day. God bless you and keep you. And remember, God loves you.